Company Watch Financial Analytics. Hello and welcome to the Company Watch Coronavirus podcast, which for some of you will be coming via Spotify this week. Thank you very much to Steve, our wonderful marketing exec who has made that happen. Um, I'm Joe Kettner, CEO of Company Watch, and I'm joined by Nick Hood, financial and commercial analyst. Hello, Nick. Hi, Joe. We're recording today's episode in the afternoon of Friday, the 16th of October. And given the rather dramatic statement from Boris Johnson earlier today, I think probably that's going to be our focus to talk about Brexit and the increased possibility of no deal um, and what that means also in terms of forecasts that we've had from the OBR and Bank of England in recent months. Um, we also wanted to, this is our original um, plan for this podcast, which rather got sidetracked. We also wanted to have a look at some of the insolvency stats that have been published for September um, and just kind of reflect on what, what is emerging from some trends over the last couple of quarters. And also returning to crown preference. Now, this is something that we've talked about before, I think, in previous podcasts. But as we're kind of looming up to the date when that will change, I think we need to just explore a little bit more about what that means and the kind of actions that people might want to be thinking about taking now to manage risks. So let's start with Brexit. We're recording an hour or two after the PM statement, um, which was a televised address uh, earlier on today. And he is due to be making a press conference statement, which we think is coronavirus, but I'm sure there will be some Brexit related questions. Um, So we haven't got the information on that as we're recording. Now, I'm sure most of you remember Johnson has set a deadline of 15th of October for there to be a deal. And he said if there wasn't one by that point, then there would be a no deal. Um, So 16th of October uh, today, we were waiting to see what what was happening. Um, And earlier today, Boris Johnson addressed the nation and said that the UK should get ready to leave the transition period without a trade deal on the 1st of January 2021. And I've just looked at the lobby briefing reports um, from the from the press briefing, and the message there that was being given out by the PM spokesperson is that the trade talks have ended. So unless the EU changes its position and is prepared to offer this Canada-style free trade agreement, that's that's it. So what's going on here? I think <laughs> it's quite hard, isn't it? Because commentators are saying that there is a deal to be done, and yes. it just needs a little bit of political will to get it over the line. And I think the real issue that most business people have got is that they're now being told they have got to start preparing for no deal. And that will involve costs and time and energy. And distraction. And distraction. Mm -hmm. And we don't know if this is a negotiating tactic. We don't know whether, you know, again, there's camps are split on how realistic it is that we will actually get to December and magically the deal will kind of be pulled out of the hat. But this disruption and this this expense and this um, worry and uncertainty. And we all know we've been saying, you know, it's a kind of truism, isn't it? And particularly on this podcast, we've been saying how important confidence is for economic recovery and for growth. And if you have no confidence and no certainty, then where does that leave you, really? I know, I know Joe. And, and, and actually, to all our listeners, um, I do have to say that that was a remarkably calm introduction um, because it was necessary to scrape um, Jo off 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 her ceiling um, a little earlier because she really is very very cross um, um, about about this I, I mean, I, the trouble is that there are no numbers there's no real guidance um there's no it's very difficult to hang any sort of um 
orderly hat on what this means because we mm-hmm. don't have numbers. We, we've got all this chat about you know what it's going to cost companies in terms of you know exporters and importers in terms of uh, costs at the border. Um, there's all this talk about the 100 mile, uh, the 100 kilometer queue of, of, of trucks into Kent and the Kent yeah. passports. But the reality is we don't know. And and for the prime minister to stand looking unbelievably smug next to his. Um, ornate um, fireplace in somewhere in Downing Street and say, you need to prepare for a no-deal Brexit. Now, what exactly does that mean? And and how is that going to feed through into the decision-making in companies that are already dealing with the most extraordinary cocktail of problems arising from the from the pandemic? And, and I think that's the worry. And I, I, I suppose the only thing we can say at this stage is that it's... It's a very, it seems to me anyway, um, and I'm not judging this politically, I'm looking at it purely from a commercial angle. It's a very cynical and it seems to me irresponsible thing to be doing, whether it's a negotiating tactic or not. You know, don't mm. say things like that unless you can back them up with um, with some ideas about what it's going to cost, what extra support might be available from the, the government for the people um, who are incurring those costs. Um, it, it just seems to me to be, um, uh, you know, asking uh, industry leaders and, and people who run companies to manage their businesses on the basis of a whim, mm. which may be oh, a negotiating tactic. But I mean, maybe that's enough of that. It's just it's it's deeply unfortunate in against the the background of all these lockdowns. Uh, you know, the, the the local lockdowns. Will there be a national lockdown? Mm. Goodness me. Who'd, who'd be who'd be in the finance function of any business right now trying to produce a forecast for the first half of next year? Well, quite, quite. And I think the um, the other issue I think that and it's, it's actually picking up what you've said is is this kind of divorced from the way people run their business and the way politics works. And I think we had an and the Haldane chicken licking famous um, speech was something we, we talked about a couple of weeks ago. And um, one of the, the quotes that I pulled out from that, and I don't think we talked about, um, was this notion that businesses can somehow switch. You know, they've done so well with COVID and they can suddenly switch their attention to um, to Brexit. And I, I'll, it's worth quoting um, the Haldane speech where he said, existing surveys suggest many firms still have a distance to travel before they're fully prepared for leaving the customs union with the EU. And that's understandable given the disruptions caused by COVID. But there is still time for this operational work to be done. And it will be important that businesses prioritise that in the weeks ahead to minimise disruption to their businesses and the economy. I'm confident that the UK companies will rise to this challenge as they have done to the challenge of COVID. And I read that and I think, COVID isn't over for a start. You know, it's not just, it's not a binary thing. Well, COVID, we've done that and now we're on to Brexit. And also how how are businesses meant to, what are they preparing for? What are they working towards? And, you know, even if we do get um, a deal at this stage, there'll be so little time to really prepare to what the the new reality will be that it just seems like a a really difficult thing to ask businesses to do and and doesn't really empathize with with how businesses actually operate so 
We'll leave that side. To say ever thus, I mean, having having talked about that, should we move on to something really positive like the, like the latest insolvency numbers? Yes, we can. <laughs> no, one, one, one other thing. Well, I feel like, that, again, duty bound, I'm just going to just again come back to this um, OBR Bank of England. And I, I mentioned it in the introduction, but the OBR Bank of England both um, predicated their forecasts on the fact that there would be a trade deal that would basically be the same arrangement as we have at the moment. And let's just remind ourselves what that said. So the Bank of England, which we feel is a relatively rosy picture, um, was saying 7.5% unemployment by the end of the year. Bear in mind, we've got 4.5% unemployment the September figure. So that's still, what, another two thirds again to come on top of what we've seen so far. I mean, that's in, that just enormous and I mind-boggling. Um, and we had the GDP figure, um, again, the Bank of England was saying about 7% below um, where it was uh, uh, compared to the previous year. And again, OBR forecasts, kind of similar range, maybe slightly less optimistic. Mm. And they said that they had this range, if we remember, of scenarios. And they said that if the um, Brexit negotiations were to end with no deal, then we would be looking at the negative end of those um, of those forecasts. So I do think Indeed. that is something that's that's worth bearing in mind, you know, given where we well, yeah, but yes, Nick, let's move on. <laughs> let's okay. move on. Let's okay. look at the okay. insolvency stats. Okay. End of rant. End of yes. rant. Um, insolvency stats. We um, last couple of days we now have the company insolvency stats for September. And uh, it's the very first hint after <clears throat> two quarters pretty nearly of downturn in insolvency numbers of a rise. The corporate insolvencies in September were 926, which is 18% up on August. But of course, it's still 39% down on the same month last year, September 2019. And if you look at the quarter up to the end of September, that's 10% down on uh, Q2, and it's 31% down on Q1. Uh, but of course, what is really going on here under the bonus of these figures is that because of the ban on winding up petitions and because the courts, the commercial courts, have effectively almost stopped functioning in any meaningful way for, for anything but the most routine litigation, mm-hmm. is that um, compulsory winding up through the court was down 76% in Q2. Wow. On Q2 2019, CVAs are up 41%. Well, there's a there's a surprise if you're in the mm. retail or, or hospitality business. Um, and those CVAs, just just talk us through that. So CVAs are kind of company-led yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, processes. It's, a, it's, a, it's where a company cuts a deal to sort out its balance sheet or its profitability. Um, yep. And, and it's, a, it, it's a blank sheet of paper, write your own deal, um, um, with negotiation with the la- with with the creditors, although generally these days not the landlords who no. are really allowed a voice. Yeah. Um, with that. But but what I the other thing I wanted to pull out of um the numbers is if you look at the um Q2 numbers, the year to Q2, the end of so the year to the end of June, mm-hmm. the three sectors account for almost half of all insolvencies. And nobody's going to be surprised, but I will remind everybody, construction was 18% of that 12 months insolvencies. Mm -hmm. Wholesale and retail was 14%, and hospitality was 13%. 
So that's 45% of my maths. So almost half are coming from three sectors. So it just, we've said it endlessly over the last 28 uh, weeks. Yeah. uh, 30 weeks and and 28 podcasts. If you have got risk in construction, particularly retail and definitely hospitality, Mm -hmm. then for goodness sake, take care. And those numbers are not going to get any any better. I mean, we're expecting, nope. aren't we, Q1 and Q2 next year, we're expecting to be, to be pretty bloody. Um, I mean, and this is assuming, I guess, that the um, that the provisions which have basically stopped winding up petitions and statutory demands are not extended beyond the 31st of December. Yep. They could be, I suppose, but, you know, I guess we're, we're starting to, to kind of feel like you, there's got to be some ways of companies taking action because otherwise trade credit will dry up entirely exactly. if, That's if, the risk. if people have no confidence that they're going to be able to enforce a debt um you're going to get you know the can't pay and the won't pay um yep. scenarios where you know why would you pay if you know that there can be no action and that which is what exactly what we've seen with the um the property um situation now you know yep. big companies taking advantage of the fact that there will be no um enforcement action against them not paying um rents and so on yep. so Okay, so that's insolvencies. Um, you know, a, a, a bit of a watch and see, but it looks like it's beginning to deteriorate. Yeah, absolutely. And then I think with the 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 thing that we also wanted to um, to talk about, which is really quite important, and it's maybe a little bit of a niche issue, and I think that that it hasn't really been discussed as much as it, it should have been, is this reintroduction of crown preference. Yeah. which was meant to be um, in April, and then it was postponed because of COVID to, is it the 9th of December? Um, uh, it's December. I don't, I don't remember the date, I, but it's I somewhere, know, it's sometime in December. Okay, so, well, well, look, I wrote, a, I wrote a blog about this back in July when it when it was announced, and uh, at the risk of, you know, uh, of repeating myself, um, I headlined that, um, so many consequences, none of them good for business. And I mean, just uh, if everybody will forgive me, I mean, for those who know all all about this, um, apologies. But the background to this is that the Finance Act restored preferential status for crown debts like VAT and PAYE. And this is a reverse of a change that was made way back in 2003 Mm -hmm. uh, in the Enterprise Act, uh, which was intended then to placate banks for losing their ability to take control of struggling borrowers by appointing their own receivers. They lost that right and they got crown preference um, ended at that point. Okay. And it may seem like a simple reordering of the, the creditor recovery cascade, but the reality is it's a swamp of unintended consequences and none of them are good. So and at the moment, t- can you just tell us at the moment, run through the what, moment, the, what the order is? Okay, at the moment what happens is... The first bite of, of, of uh, the money in, a, in an insolvency uh, goes to pay the expenses of doing the insolvency. Mm-hmm. Um, the second chunk goes to pay the administrator or liquidator his fees. The third chunk then will go to the floating charge holder, the bank, um, yep. <clears throat> uh, in preference to everybody else. Mm-hmm. There are one or two exceptions, some staff claims, but let's not get into that level of detail. And then you get the unsecured creditors. Um, So the moment you take the crown debts, which are very, very significant in a lot of cases, in some industries, hugely so, the moment you take them and put them further up the pecking order, you take money out of the mouths of the banks that lend to companies and the Mm -hmm. ordinary unsecured creditors 
and of course, by extension, the trade insurers who stand behind the supplier risk. Yes. So everybody talks about what it's bad for the banks and it's bad for suppliers, but it's bad for trade insurers. Everybody Mm. forgets about trade insurers. And trade insurers are so important. You know, I know people have mixed feelings about insurers, but trade credit insurers is it plays a vital role in in, in enabling people to have the confidence to um, to trade. I think it's you know. And and do bear in mind that the timing of this could not be more unfortunate because Mm. when you get to Christmas this year, which is when this thing begins to kick in. there'll be the the debt the crown debt for things like PAY and VAT will be bloated and it'll be bloated because nobody had to pay their um any VAT that was outstanding uh, prior to the end of June That's it's right. been deferred to the end of March yep. and the HMRC has been as accommodating as it ever can be in its own strange way um towards companies that say they need help to pay PAY and indeed, and indeed VAT mm. uh, incurred post-June. So the numbers are going to be high. So I think in the first six to nine months of next year, heaven help the unsecured creditors and the banks mm. because the Crown will just say, oh, it's all mine. Thank you very much. And can you run through the, the prescribed part? Yeah, the prescribed part is, is um, what the Enterprise Act did was to say, in most cases, the unskilled creditors get wiped out completely. They don't get a penny. Mm. And so it, it, what was introduced was this thing called the prescribed part, which is a little bit of the recoveries in an insolvency that is ring-fenced and is meant to go to the unsecured creditors. So it, you know, nothing else gets in the way of that. Mm-hmm. And that started out as a maximum of 600000 yeah. Now, one of the change, one of the almost the only positive thing about this crown preference change is that that has now gone up to eight hundred thousand as a maximum. So it won't necessarily be that much, presumably. No, that's that. That's the, just, that's, that's the, the most. The it can be. That's the most it can be. Okay, but, and that, that and am I right in um, in thinking that? This prescribed part was introduced. The crown preference was abolished. The prescribed part was introduced. Yep. in the Enterprise Act. Yep. And then now Crown Preference has been introduced, the prescribed part has been increased. So actually those um, the, those creditors who are sitting below the Crown Preference that are not able unsecured. to... Uh, unsecured. But, p- but people who aren't able to go into the prescribed part have been squeezed even further. Yes, I think you're, so I, kind of I, I think you're talking about the banks. Yeah, the banks, basically. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, that's a very illegal way of saying the banks. The banks, and of course that yeah. is bound Bad, to be a factor in determining mm. the lender's appetite to lend. Yeah. And, and goodness me, they've got enough reasons not to lend, given mm. the problems with... Now, how do you lend to a company that has got that has got no meaningful current financials absolutely, and can't predict the future. Mm. But if you then, you know, if the, if the bank then says, and by the way, if we get this wrong, we're going to be stuffed in the insolvency, why would you lend? Why would you lend? So, and the other little thing that um, must say, you know, despite having been an insolvency practitioner for 20 odd years, um, I completely missed is of course that, um, Putting the crown back as a preferential creditor affects the way that um, CVAs work. Right, how is this? A little known fact is that uh, in a a CVA, you cannot compromise debts owed to preferential creditors. It was designed to protect employee claims. 
Oh, I see. Because when you took away the crown, gosh, this is getting nerdy, but indulge me. I think our listeners like nerdiness. Uh, Yeah, I know. Um, The whole point was that when you took away the crown, the crown preference, Mm -hmm. um, the only people left who were preferred were the, generally speaking, the employees claims. And so I think it was a sort of knee jerk. um, You know, I can't speak for the people who drafted the act, but it was a knee jerk um, to say, well, whatever else we must protect preferential claims in a CVA. So we'll we'll pull them out. So, you, so when you do a CVA, you have to make sure you, you, you can't say to the employees, we're only going to pay you half your claim or 30% of your claim. Mm-hmm. Now the crown is back in there. So that again has a big, I mean, that's great news for the Treasury. Yes, but think about it. The companies where CVAs are happening are ones that are staff heavy. Mm. So the... Um, so the, so the crown the, debt will be higher. The POIE, um, POIE. insurance. Mm. You know, so um, that, that's, I, I just think, and, and, and the bottom line of all this is the government is thought when it restored crown preference to have estimated that it would recover an extra 185 million a year from the change. My final conclusion about this particular point is that's surely small change if it disrupts the entire lending um, market, particularly for SMEs, if it disrupts that and it disrupts trade insurance, I think that's a very small return for a very, very big risk. Because, I mean, we'll be back then, presumably, to the government needing to step in to, yep. to provide some kind of, um, of financing that will yep. kind of oil the, um, the wheels of trade. I mean, that is, I, I find that this kind of stuff fascinating. It's, it's amazing to, to talk to somebody who knows these things inside out. So thank you so much for explaining. I think we'll try and make a, some kind of um, digest of that information yes. um, available to, to listeners. So, you know, for those of us, and I count myself as one of those who prefer to read rather than hear, then um, <laughs> <laughs> it might, might make more sense on paper. I suppose we should draw to a conclusion because this has been, I think, one of our longer episodes. And, and really, it seems... To, to, to us that there are we're kind of coming into this time of a double storm double jeopardy we've got the twin axes of no deal brexit and potential national lockdown like hovering over our our heads either or both of which could fall at, at any time and i think that is just increasing the the uncertainty and the that climate of not of businesses not really wanting to make any firm decisions about investment, all those things that we know are going to be absolutely critical to our, our growth because it, they just don't know what's around the corner. And, and you know, I think that kind of hesitancy um, in all the de- decisions, be that you know, about extending credit to, to customers or making investments for the future. Um, and we're really going to start seeing the, the ripple effect um, to that. Yeah, and, the, and, and I suppose the, um, the, the final point is uh, what that tells our credit manager listeners is it's no time for happy credit pills and if you're a supply chain manager you need to be very very careful about the you know, the the integrity of your supply chain mm. well with that thought thank you very very much um nick for your insight as always thanks to everybody for listening and we'll be back again soon goodbye mm-hmm.